Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. There was a single mom that had a little boy, and she had a great desire for him to uh, be an artist of some type. And she chose music, began to invest quite a bit of money into piano lessons. And he faithfully took his lessons over the period of about six months. And to the great disappointment of his mother, after six months, the only thing he could play was chopsticks. How many of you can play chopsticks? Many of us can play chopsticks. And so to encourage him, she bought tickets to a great concert, uh, a great concert. Paderewski, the great pianist, was performing. And when they arrived and got to their seats, sitting next to her was an old friend she hadn't seen in a long time. And they began to engage one another. And to their amazement, something broke the pre-concert chatter and it was someone playing chopsticks. There was this grand piano, beautiful ivory grand piano, setting in the middle of the stage with a single spotlight on it, and there sat her little boy playing chopsticks. And the true story, the entire audience began to scream, no, no, no. And then emerging from the side of the stage, Paderewski came out, and began to silence the audience. And he sat down, asked the little boy, continue, slide over, and he sat down beside him. And there, to the amazement of the whole world, he composed a layover over the top of chopsticks, one of the most beautiful compositions anybody had ever heard. And the whole concert hall went crazy. There are times in our life, like 2020, when we need something to overlay what we've put all of our effort and all of our energy into, but appears to have come up way short. Today I want to talk to you approaching a brand new year, 2021, about the miracle of newness. The miracle of newness. Philippians 3.13, Paul said, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Do you feel that way? I don't feel I've got all the answers. I don't feel I've made it. I don't feel that I know everything that I need to know. I don't count myself to have apprehended, but I have learned this one thing, Paul said. Forgetting, everybody say forgetting. Forgetting those things which are behind, 2020, and reaching forth unto those things which are before me, Paul said, I press. That's the Greek word dioko. It means to violently assault with consistency. Paul said, I press toward the mark or the goal or the prize 
of the calling of God, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Each and every one of us must learn to let go and press toward that prize and that mark that God has. I don't know about you, but I've, I've learned some bad habits in the last year. I mean, it's odd when your entire life all of a sudden is on hold and you've got to figure out what to do. What do I do today? And I developed some bad habits. I developed some regimens that are going to have to change. I'm going to have to, you know, let go of the past and what I've learned that doesn't work and what I've learned that isn't working. I'm going to have to let go of that and bring some changes into my life. I've let some attitudes come into my life. I mean, I found myself having to repent watching television a few days ago at Anthony Fauci. I, I, what has this little guy got to do with anything? But I thought, I've heard so many stories from this guy. He's got more stories than Carter's got liver pills. I've thought about perspectives that have gotten a little skewed during this time. And a big one, fears that have come in and gripped our lives about what is happening, happening worldwide. How many of you would agree with me that life is a consequential affair? There is a consequence for everything that we do in life. So if you develop bad habits, if you get into regimens that are not appropriate, if you allow attitudes to creep in or a perspective to get skewed or fear to take hold of your life, listen, I may not understand everything that has happened, but I believe. I am a believer and it is the nature of the believer to believe. And even though life is a consequential affair and God has allowed me to choose my sins, but he doesn't allow me to choose my consequences, I have to face my consequences of bad habits, bad regimens, bad attitudes, bad perspective, fear in my life. I have to face them and deal with them and take action to change them. I have to let go of the past and reach forth unto those things which are before me in order to bring change. People, you have to let go, let go, let go. I've suffered a lot of consequences in my life. I've suffered the consequences, may I just be honest with you? I've suffered the consequences of stretching the truth in my life. Isn't that a nice way of saying it? <laughs> I've suffered the consequences of breaking a promise to someone. I've suffered the consequences of a broken vow, a broken commitment, or a broken trust to someone. We all live here. What about taking advantage of other people? I've done that. Maybe in a business deal. Maybe by piling on when someone was really going through something tough. 
What about overpowering someone in a time of weakness? You know, if we aren't careful, even as companions, we can do that. But there are consequences to all those things. But you know what I love? In the natural realm, we have to face those consequences because life is a consequential affair. But in the spirit realm, God can expunge everything from your record today if you will turn loose and reach forth unto something new. He can expunge everything from your record and wipe your record clean and give you a brand new start in 2021. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Paul said, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Everybody say new. The miracle of newness. He is a new creature or a new creation. And all things are passed away. If there's anything you and I need right now, it's for some old things to pass away. And I like this. He said, not only do the old things pass away, but all things. Say that with me. All things. Say it one more time. All things become new. When you turn to Jesus Christ and when you give him everything, when you lay everything out on the line, everything becomes new with God. I'm going to tell you, you're going to make mistakes. Matthew 5 says, Be therefore perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Most of us, especially Pentecostals, some of you here are like me, you're a Pentecostal. The first thing we do when we read that verse, be therefore perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect, is we think about holiness and righteousness. Well, you're in trouble and I'm in trouble because our righteousness is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. You will never be perfect like God if you're striving for holiness and righteousness. If you are striving for character and service, you're going to fail. You can only be like God's perfection. God gave a three-word definition of who he is. God is, say it, God is love. If you want to know what the ultimate perfection of God is, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. The ultimate perfection of God is his love toward you and I. Did you know that Jesus said in the Gospels in his lifetime that over 360 plus commandments that he gave, he said, but I give you a new commandment, a brand new commandment that you love one another. And if you love, then you have mastered the ultimate perfection of God because that love covers the 360 plus commandments. You don't have to worry about any of them if you can love. When you're loving people, you don't commit any of the sins that I've told you to beware of. We have to learn to love. And you know, if we don't learn to love and we're focusing on character and service or the, the mirror to that holiness and righteousness, then we're going to fail. And can I just say this to you? That even giant killers make mistakes. 
David in all of his glory, having slain the Philistine giant, made the greatest mistake of his life shortly after that with Bathsheba. And when David made that mistake, he needed an all-things-new experience. How about you? Maybe today you need an all-things-new experience. And see, all David could do and all you and I can do when we've made a mistake, all we can do is to change ourselves. And in so doing, we change everything else. But you know what we have a tendency to want to do? We have a tendency, let me give you a couple of points about change. First of all, real change, number one, is an inside job. You can't change your wife, that's outside. You can't change your husband. You can't change your friends. You can't change your co-workers, your church, your brothers in Christ. All of that is outside. The only thing you can change is yourself. But when you change yourself and you let go of the past and you reach forth unto something brand new, it changes everything else in your life. So real change is an inside job. Secondly, the thing about newness that we need to understand is it's newness from what you are to who he is. Maybe you've developed those bad habits. Maybe you've developed those inaccurate regimens that are out of step and out of character in your life. Those attitudes, those perspectives, those fears. But real change is changing you from what you are to who he is. And if you're not careful, you will allow your body to become your own prison. See, Abraham allowed his body to become his own prison. He told God, I'm too old. I'm a stutterer. I don't speak clearly. I don't speak plainly. He told God, I'm not good enough. I'm of the tribe of Manasseh. We're the smallest tribe. I'm from across the tracks. I'm not the guy you need. I know you're telling me all those things you want to do in my life, but I'm not the guy. I'm not of the stature. I'm not of the character. And God got almost angry with him and stopped him. And Paul repeats this in Romans 9, 15. And sternly he said to Moses, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. I will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. And in the Old Testament passage, he said, I will give my prosperity and my blessing to whomsoever I choose. Stop questioning my authority and my sovereignty and believe what I'm telling you. Believe my word. Become the person that I have told you that you will be. You see, David and Abraham both proved that isolated failure does not suspend divine destiny and purpose in your life. Both of them would have failed on the spot if that were so. 
But David went on to become a man after God's own heart. The Bible says that about no other man. Abraham went on to become the father of the faithful. You see, just because we make a mistake doesn't mean that we are a mistake. Neither David, Abraham, or you are a mistake. No matter what you've done in 2020, no matter what things have become, no matter what it looks like, you and I are not a failure and we'll never be a failure unless we quit. As long as we are breathing, we haven't failed in life. <sighs> you need to take a good deep breath today. So, newness of life, all we can do is change ourselves. The second thing. What you believe about yourself, and I haven't preached in a year, so my throat's going to need a little miracle of newness here. So number two, what you believe about yourself will control you. Wow. What did Moses, I'm just old. You know, I'm not young. But I'm not old, but I'm different than I used to be. Moses said, I stutter. I said, all right, I'll give you Aaron. Don't you love this when everything you counter God with, God comes back and solves the problem. Boom, 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 and you won't shut up. You just keep on. But I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. How about Gideon? Down behind the wine press hiding from the Philistines an absolute coward, filled with fear. He had so much anxiety, he was shaken in his boots. And God looked at him and said, mighty man of valor, what are you doing hiding, crouched down behind the wine press? You're a man of greatness, you're a man of valor, you're a man of courage, you're a man of strength. But my friend, what you believe about yourself will control you. Moses sent the 12 tribes out to spy out the land. And they came back. Ten of them had a negative report. Two, I love old, old uh, Caleb. He said, that mountain over there is mine. I'm going to take it right now. He's an old, old guy. They got out and had to tromp around in the desert for 40 years because of the 10 that had an evil report and that generation had to die off in the wilderness. And the only two that was left of that original 12 was Joshua and Caleb. And when they got back to the same point again, 40 years later, Caleb said, I can still take that mount. I'm as strong today as I was then. But here's Gideon just full of anxiety, full of fear. Here are the 12 spies. And here's what the 10 said. The 10 spies said, we were as grasshoppers in our own eyes. What you believe about yourself will control you. And even Joshua, one of the two that did the right thing, in Joshua 1, verse 2, God had to kind of raise his voice and said, Moses, my servant, is dead, Joshua. Stop it. 
Then in verse 3, he said, Every place that the soles of your feet shall touch, I have given to you. I've given you dominion. I've given you authority. When you step out of your car in a state, when you step off of an airplane in a country, when you enter a building, when you walk into a room, everywhere you go, every place the soles of your feet shall touch, I have given to you. I've given you dominion. And in verse 8, he said, and in this book of the law, he said, you shall meditate day and night to do accordingly to all that is written therein. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And verse 9, you better listen to me. I've already told you Moses is dead. Be strong and courageous. Listen. For the Lord your God goes with you everywhere the soles of your feet shall tread. But what you believe about yourself will control you. You've got to believe that. And if you don't believe that, then you miss that blessing. You see, what you think about yourself is key to everything that's written in God's Word. And many of you, most of your important dreams have been buried by something that doesn't even exist. It's only in your mind. It's not a reality. But those dreams have already been buried because of what you believe about yourself. Can I just say this to you? You can let go of your past. You can have this miracle of newness today. You can embrace this miracle of newness. You can change. You can believe God's best for your life. I love this verse of scripture in John 7 and 38. He said, he that believeth in me. How many of you believe in him? He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Why is that important? Because the Gadarean demoniac, when Jesus was casting the demons out of the Gadarean demoniac, they saw a herd of swine feeding on the hillside, and they begged Jesus to release them into the herd of, the, herd of swine. You, you might say, well, why would they do such a thing? Because demons can only inhabit, it, inhabit humans and animals. And being cast out of the man they were being cast out of, the human being, they only saw animals, so they begged to be released into the herd of swine. And the Bible said Jesus gave them leave and they were released into the herd of swine. And the herd of swine ran violently over the cliff and were drowned in the sea. Let me tell you three important things about this story because it has a lot to do with how you believe about yourself. Number one, demons are severely violent. If there's ever demonic activity in your life, you'll be a violent person. If you have a real issue with violence, one of the areas you might consider looking at is a spiritual issue. The second thing is that demonic spirits will flee 
violently from the presence of God. I mean, when they, when they came forth and were going into the herd of swine, they fled violently to get away from the presence of Jesus. And in so doing, they ran over the cliff. They do crazy things. They knock walls down. They blow through doors. They do, they'll do anything to get away from the presence of God. And they drown themselves in the sea, which brings us to number three. They're violent. They flee the presence of God and they can't swim. <laughs> He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of not just water, but living water. This is the of the Spirit, which was not yet given. Psalms 1, walk, stand, and sit, not in the, the ungodliness of the world. And if you will not do that, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And demons cannot have anything to do with living water. When you're walking in the Spirit, there are rivers of living water flowing out of you. They violently try to flee and get out of your presence and get away from you because they cannot live in the presence of water, especially living water and especially Holy Ghost water. <laughs> So the only place that your dreams become impossible is in your own thinking. Whatever you think about yourself is going to control you. So number one, all we can change is ourself. Number two, what you believe about yourself will control you. And number three, people, please hear this. I beg you, nothing is quite so stupid as to destroy your future with something you have the power to change by clinging to your past, which you cannot change. In Matthew, Jesus said he takes away the first in order to establish the second. You have to let go. You have to let go and reach forth. In John, he said, you must lose your life. All the bad habits, the regimens, the attitudes, the perspectives, the fears. You have to let go of all of that in order to find it. There's so many things that we just latch on to and we refuse to turn loose. So many things we develop. I've talked with people and counseled with people, my wife and I all during... This time, I think possibly my wife has counseled more people exponentially, just constant during this time. And I have spoken and helped a lot of people, I pray. And it's amazing some of the things that have transpired. But here's the kicker for it, number four. All we can do is change ourselves what you believe about yourself will control you and don't destroy your future, which you can change by clinging to your past, which you cannot change. Number four, an attitude of faith presses, remember that word in our original scripture, dioko? That is just the violent, persistent, you know, pressing forth for the mark. 
An attitude of faith presses through the obstacles. Don't just think you're going to flip a switch going into 2021. Make a couple of resolutions and everything is going to automatically change. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know what faith allows us to do? Faith allows us to exit the earthly and enter the heavenly, exit the natural and enter the spiritual. And by faith, we can access the promises and the provisions of God. And by faith, we can transport those provisions to those beautiful promises of God back down to this earth, right into the middle of all of these circumstances, bad habits, bad attitudes, bad perspectives, fears, and everything else that we've gripped. We can transport the provisions to those beautiful promises right back down into the middle of your mess. God has given you the gift and the power of faith. And faith presses through the obstacles. Faith accesses everything God has available for you in his word. Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24 says, have faith in God. Well, how do you do that? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, what mountain? All these mountains, habits and perspectives and attitude. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, hunger, thirst, sin, sickness, disease, the curse of sin. He said, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And if you doubt not in your heart, those things that you sayeth shall come to pass. Then he said this, Whatsoever a man saith and prayeth, that is what he'll believe. Jesus said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. In faith, we just have to keep asking and we have to keep believing. And most of all, as we have faith in God, we must wallpaper our mind with a principle. It's a simple principle. God favors me. That's one of the greatest faith statements you'll ever make. Because a lot of you believe God's out to get you. And you need to redo your house while you're remodeling. You need to clean it up and redo it. And you need to wallpaper all the rooms of your house with this principle. God favors me. Solomon's the wisest man in the world. And the Bible said, Solomon said, let God set you on fire with the knowledge of his favor toward you. See, that's what we all need. We need God to set us on fire with the knowledge of his favor toward us. We need to be like Joshua, every place the soles of our feet touch. We have dominion, we have authority, and God goes with us. You see, an attitude of faith sees beyond the circumstances that temporarily, temporarily are slowing you down. 
And people, you can't separate faith from the supernatural. Faith is miraculous. When you get into faith, you're into the supernatural. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13, our text scripture, or one of them, for we have received, no, this is Paul's word, for we have all received the same spirit of faith, Therefore, we believe and we speak. Think about this for a minute. We have all received the same spirit of faith. Spirit of faith is talking about uh, quality. Another version says measure of faith, which is talking about quantity. Let's monetize it. Let's put it this way. You've received your million dollars worth of faith. I've received my million dollars worth of faith. For we have all received the same spirit and measure, same quality, same quantity of faith. We've all got our million dollars worth of faith. The question is, what are you doing with your faith? Your million dollars worth of faith. Two brothers. They both lived in their father's house. They both served their father. They both loved their father. They both had their million dollars worth of faith. One became a prodigal and left and went into a far land and spent all of his million dollars worth of faith in riotous living. The other one stayed home. Almost everybody that teaches this will somehow bend it around about bad Christians who are in the house like the elder brother and they got a bad attitude. This is not what this is about at all. This is about sovereignty. It's God's sovereignty that this whole thing is about. What about the, the people that worked in the vineyard? See, the, the elder brother was not mad at his brother, he was questioning the sovereignty or the rightness of it. He said to his father, it isn't fair, but what you have to remember is fair is not a spiritual term, it's a political term. If you want to be fair, go into politics. Then you can say everybody needs to do their fair share. But fair is not a spiritual. God is sovereign. He'll do whatsoever he wants, whenever he wants, and he won't ask my opinion, and he won't ask your opinion. And this is what the father was trying to say to the elder brother. It's sovereignty. I reached out and received him back and put the robe on him and the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet because I'm sovereign and I can love when nobody else loves. It doesn't have to be fair. When the, the workers in the vineyard, he hired the big group early in the morning, then some at three, nine, uh, three, six, and nine, and then another group at 11 who only worked one hour. But at the end of the day, he paid them all the same wage. They began to scream about. They were questioning his sovereignty. And he said, is not this my money? Did I not promise you a certain wage and didn't I pay you? Then who are you to say it's not fair? I'm sovereign. I'm God. You're not. What about the talents when he gave one five, one three, one one, and he came back and he doubled the five to ten, doubled the three uh, to six and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. But he took back the one from the servant that had been unfaithful. And then the Bible said he took everything else that he had and gave it to the one who had 10. And they said, it's not fair. 
It's not about fair. It's about sovereignty. And in the Garden of Eden, Satan came around and he said, did God say? I mean, he's given, he, he said you can have life, but you can't have knowledge. Did God say you couldn't have knowledge? Well, that's not fair. Because he knows the day that you take knowledge. See, knowledge never belonged to man. It belonged to God. God said, I give you life, but knowledge is mine. You can't touch knowledge. God didn't ever intend man to live by knowledge. He intended man to live by revelation. That's his knowledge applied by the Holy Spirit into the, a man's life as he needed it. But man reached around God for Godhood and chose knowledge. And you know where knowledge led him? He all of a sudden realized they were naked. And he sewed a bunch of fig leaves and they covered themselves up trying to indeed become a god and come up with their own remedy and righteousness to cover their sins and their mistakes. Man started doing it with that knowledge in the garden and he continues doing it even today, believing that he knows better. That's why there are no absolutes. And the one universal absolute from which everything flows down is the kingdom of God. And if you don't grasp that one universal absolute, then everything that flows down to that, it, it just, it's all relative. It has no meaning. You're, you're born in the relative. You live in the relative. You die in the relative because you've missed the point. When there are, are no absolutes, you don't understand the kingdom. You don't understand his sovereignty. It's like trying to play football on a field that the lines haven't been marked and there are no goalposts. It's like trying to shoot an arrow and be an archer when there's no target. You don't even know which way to turn to release the arrow. When there's not this universal absolute of the kingdom of God, you're completely in the dark. You have no idea as to what you're to do. So you need newness. And you need a miracle of newness to be able to embrace with everything in you the kingdom, the king and his kingdom, the universal absolute from which everything flows down to all the relativisms of life. We're playing chopsticks. Maybe your marriage feels like you've been playing chopsticks for the last year. When you went into the pandemic, your marriage was strong. Maybe your finances, you feel like you're playing chopsticks and you're away from abundance and down to the widow's might. 
that God still sees, by the way. You see, in 2021, God is saying to you, move over. I'm going to sit down by you, and I'm going to compose the most beautiful, structured, loving, fulfilling life for you this year. And I'm going to lay it right over the top of your chopsticks. And there's going to be a miracle of newness in your life. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.